0: Log Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, everyone. Welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me Radio. It's our book and television edition. It's Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. My name is Megan, and I'm here with the ever-lovely Kristen. What's up, Kristen? Hello.
1: I'm so excited to be here.
0: Me too. We finally are able to do this between holidays, the new variants, um, and me being a public school teacher and the 2021-2022 school school year has made it kind of a little difficult over the last couple of months. But and me, we and me just being tired. <laughs> I'm tired <laughs> because of life, you know, things happen. Right. Um, but we are back, um, and things are definitely a lot more manageable now. So we're hoping that we can get you some consistent content over the next few weeks. Um, and we are very excited because today we get to talk about books, which is Kristen's favorite thing. Um, and she has magical powers. She has magical powers magical when it comes to the books too. Um, and then we have we're going to talk about some television as well. Um, and then we're going to get to our main feature discussion, which is the Order of the Phoenix and what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, and maybe some movie comparison conversation as well. Um, so it should be a good show. Long, long overdue, but a good show. So let's get to some news. Now, the first news item is really not new news, but me and Kristen have not been able to react to it on podcasts, so I feel like it was just only appropriate to bring it up, which is Betty White um passing away um right before the new year. Um and I'm still very upset about this. Um were you were you twenty twenty one sucked. Oh my god, that was so I, sad.
1: Was a... I, had no idea. I was like I literally read it and I was like, No <laughs> I was like what the hell twenty twenty one. Really? Like the <sighs>
0: last last dish effort to just cement it as a pretty crappy year, um, for sure. Betty White is just an amazing person. She really is. She's authentically herself. She is an amazing animal rights activist. She's a very bold, um, very, uh, like, just strong woman um, and talented as heck as well. So I think out of a world that is divisive, We are divided on all things. I think we can all agree that Betty White was pretty, pretty dope of a
1: person, and it's Dude, sad. She was the best. I'm She's so like, sad. That's really probably like the saddest death in celebrities I've ever had, and that's saying something. Because there some pretty sad ones. It's true. She's sad because we
0: lost her. Her age is appropriate for death. Obviously, she was almost a hundred, <laughs> but, but nevertheless still very sad because she should live on forever she should be a forever living person
1: I I saw some things where people were like I really thought she couldn't die (laughs) (laughs) me too I was so worried
0: during 2020 that I think I left my guard down and so therefore it happened in 2021 because I did have a thought in 2020 that was like man I hope someone's protecting Betty White from this madness But super sad. Yep. Um, On a different note, um, the Super Bowl halftime show, um, which is going to be happening February 13th, um, has been announced. And all millennials are very confused. (laughs) So, Kristen, do you want to announce who's going to be your halftime entertainment?
1: (laughs) Guys, it's like my childhood just came back. I can't, like, I've been reading so many memes about like uh people have no idea how crazy their parents are until the halftime show hits. <laughs> and I'm like, Yes, it's gonna be Doctor Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar and Mary J. Blige, who I'm not a big fan of Mary J. Blige, but she's welcome because the other ones are dope. Yeah. For sure. And Kendrick Lamar talented. I just don't I've movie. never really loved her music.
0: Um, Kendrick Lamar is one of the ones that I think Gen Z will know about but the rest of them right. are just OGs they're just old school they're like, going to go hardcore I, cool. I, hope,
1: I hope they go old school
0: me too and I just hope that it will remind rappers that enunciation is important
1: <laughs> that
0: mumble and rapping that we, not every
1: that, song has to be about bitches and hoes
0: only half of them. I'm not saying they did rap
1: about that, <laughs> but like only half of them. Like you Thanks can have it where you. you drive your girlfriend off a bridge. Like that's that's some another idea.
0: Thanks. I'm not sure if that's a great idea, but it is a different
1: No, but Eminem did it. <laughs> but, the I think the baby's girlfriend off the bridge of, in like, the front.
0: In terms of the themes that are being rapped about, that's not really my concern because I, I think there is a mixed bag and all of that. It's the way in which people are rapping now that bothers me. So hopefully some of the You're like open rap, your mouth. Yeah, just enunciate. <laughs> it is important during singing in general <laughs> and rapping in general for people to understand you. Like that seems important. Um, all right, so let's go on to TV shows. So what is it that you're watching, Kristen?
1: Um, really nothing, honestly. Um, I have not had any time to watch TV because my book life has been overwhelming. But, um, And I really don't have a lot of time. During the week, my schedule is so busy that I only have about an hour to watch TV, and it's usually spent watching, I'm um, on season seven, rewatch of Bones. Um, but I did just watch season two of Cheer, which was good. And I was interested to watch because I wanted to see how they approached the Jerry situation because one of the members got arrested for child pornography charges and is in prison up in Chicago or jail up in Chicago awaiting trial um, for those. And so I, it was really interesting to see how that played out. It was a much darker than the first one because there was a lot of them dealing with that that fallout of that. Got you. Um, And what
0: I am watching, so I'm doing a lot of rewatches as well. well. Uh, But the new thing that I'm watching is Peacemaker, which is on HBO Max. So Peacemaker is uh, an obscure DC um, villain basically, that can sometimes be a hero, I suppose, but he's more of a villain side of things. He um, was a character on um, the Suicide Squad, the second movie. It's played by John Cena. Um, And so there's a TV series uh, every Thursday. There's a new episode. Um, And I do have to say that it is... If you're a comic book person, you know how weird comic book plots get and some of the villains they face are a little strange too and Doom Patrol definitely leans into the weird I think also Peacemaker leans into the weird as well so if you really like that kind of weird storyline I think you'd like it um, Peacemaker is definitely I think being used as a parody of like the ultra conservative like racist like Um, okay you know in order to get peace you need to use violence that kind of weird logic that people sometimes stir around um but super entertaining and uh, definitely recommend it um i'm only on like the third episode or fourth episode um so i'm enjoying it so if you're into dc and kind of like weird storylines i think you dig it um so that's on hbo max and john cena is always pleasant so Never a downside with that. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's get to the books. Yay. (laughs) I
1: was waiting for that. All right. So let's talk about fiction first. So the fiction charts right now are interesting because a big name author just came out with a new book. And so uh, just a couple weeks ago. And... So now three of her other books are in the top five, which is funny. Not the book that came out, but three of the other ones. Um, Mm -hmm. So in number five right now on the New York Times bestseller charts for fiction is Ugly Love by Colleen Hoover. Um, It's uh, Tate Collins and Miles Archer are airline pilots. Think they can handle a no-strings-attached arrangement, but they can't. I'm sorry, Miles is an airline pilot. Tate is not. I've actually read this book, it's very good, Um, but it's old. But it's now been on the top charts for four weeks. Um, And fourth is, uh, Um, fourth, uh, is, one of my book recommendations is One Step Too Far by Lisa Gardner. It's the second book in her Frankie Elkin series. Frankie searches for a young man who went missing during a bachelor party camping trip. Um, Frankie is not a cop So if you know Lisa Gardner, she writes detective novels And uh, this this is her second book And it's probably my favorite So we'll talk about that a few Uh, And third is Verity by Colleen Hoover Again, this again, not a newer book Um, This is Lowen Ashley is hired by the husband of an injured writer To complete her popular series And uncovers a horrifying truth Um, I haven't read this book but um, I heard it's super triggery, so be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, And then in second, we have The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins-Reed. Been in the top charts for 30 weeks. A movie icon recounts stories of her love and career to a struggling magazine writer. I have so many Man. questions. I'd have to read the book. Seven I husbands. I want to know why she had seven husbands.
0: <laughs> that seems <Right>. exhausting. <laughs> like,
1: I know. I'm be like, nope, not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> and then in first is It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover again. So three, she's got one, three, and five currently. Uh, 32 weeks in the top charts. Um, a battered wife raised in a violent home attempts to halt the cycle of abuse. Again, trigger warnings. Uh, just If you read Colleen Hoover, just know there's probably a trigger warning somewhere in the book. I've read many Colleen Hoover books, and they all have trigger warnings. So that's your chapter five. She, she, ex- she explores
0: the psyche of... Basically she being about victimized by terrible
1: things. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean like she I've read books where there was like childhood sexual abuse, there's regular abuse, there's depression. She just writes about things that a lot of other authors don't because they're hard. And not happy. Yeah, it definitely would be. But she's super popular. So
0: Very nice. Well, As for the nonfiction books, uh, so we got number five, uh, Unthinkable by Jamie Raskin. It's been on the um, chart for three weeks. Um, It's the Maryland congressman describes leading the impeachment effort against the former president shortly after his son's death by suicide and the insurrection at the Capitol. Um, So just kind of going his experience and the take of the day from his perspective. Number four, um, probably in late of February, which is... Um, Black History Month, Um, the the 1619 Project, edited by Nicole Hannah-Jones, Caitlin Roper, Elena Silverman, and and Jake Silverstein, um, viewing America's entanglement with slavery and its legacy in essays adapted and expanded from the New York Times. Um, I use pieces of this um, in my class. They're definitely well written, well thought out, um, and definitely takes you um, and the experiences of people who actually went through it instead of um, some historian, you know, putting the, together um, pieces of it and actually just kind of really fleshing out that it wasn't that long ago that we had slavery. 1619, relatively in history, is not that long ago. Um, and then the right. ending of it and all that, and it's still a big part of our history, um, whether we want to admit it or not. Um, it's still a big part of the United States even today. So the 1619 Project is great. I think it's a really thoughtful, um, so definitely check that out. Learn some history. Uh, lo- learn what something is before you get angry about it, <laughs> too, is also my um, advice. Uh, and number three is The Betrayal on. of Anne Frank by Rosemary Sullivan. This is new to the list. Uh, new technology was used to invest- investigate who revealed the location of Anne Frank and her family to the Nazis. I think that's super interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to read it curious. and I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Kristen's on it. Um, and then number two is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel Van Der Kolk. Uh, it's been on for 74 weeks. How trauma affects the body and mind and innovative treatments for recovery. There's so much going on in – trauma, um, because we're going to do something very traumatic. Um, So definitely um, look into that if you're interested in that field. And then our number one is also new to the countdown, It's Enough Already by Valerie Bertinelli. Um, The actress and TV personality describes her personal setbacks, difficult journey to self-acceptance. So there you go. That is your nonfiction chart um, for this
1: week. I just have to say real quick, that book, I really want to read it but there's a lot of drama surrounding it right now. Apparently, like, the publisher is halting... The Dutch publisher is halting printing more copies because some scholars have said some of the evidence is inconclusive and they shouldn't have printed it. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm curious to know more about it and also to know more about the drama, too. (laughs) Let's a more history. Sometimes you use evidence and it's not fully complete, and then three years later you find out more information. So, you know, not every story is going to stay the same through the ages because we get more information, or at least we should. All right, Kristen. In all yeah. of your crazy unicorn reading, what would you like to recommend for us? She reads so much. I've read a lot.
1: I've read eight books in January so far. So now I'm in February and I'm currently juggling four different books at once. Um, so, uh, of course I'm going to recommend my Lisa Gardner book. One step too far. I have never read, and maybe I'm biased because I've read every book she's ever written, but Lisa Gardner cannot write a bad book. She's the queen of the thriller universe. Ask anyone. Um, But she writes detective novels, and last year she came out with a book about a lady named Frankie Elkins who is just kind of like a loner, like she kind of had a bad growing up. She's a recovering alcoholic, but she's really good at finding missing people. So that's what she does. She just goes to a random town. She's a bartender by trade, so she can get a job almost anywhere. And she works at a bar and, like, gets to know the area and solves missing person cases. The first one was phenomenal, if you want to pick that one up. It's called Before She Disappeared. And this one just came out January 28th. And it's the second book. And she's looking for a missing man who went missing in the the wilderness of, I don't even know, uh, somewhere Pacific Northwest-ish. And... I would not go there. There's bears in the woods, guys. Stop it. So but it's really good and she's a Frankie Elkin. It's fun to it's a, I mean, seriously, like most of the terrifying parts of the book are like creepy noises in the woods. I'm like stop it right now. Um, but it's really, yeah. really good. Um, and then audio book wise, I've been listening to a lot of Natalie D. Richards. She does YA fiction mysteries. I listened to it in January one was lost and six months later, both were really, really, really good. Um, cool. Really good. So read those. And then I just finished a thousand boy kisses by Tilly Cole. That was an audiobook, And that also, sounds um, exhausting. it's the saddest. Um, it is the saddest book I've ever read in my entire life. Like I've read a lot of sad things. I ugly, cr- I was listening to it in the car, the ending and my daughter overheard a part. So she pulled her headphones out and she starts listening. By the time we got home, we were both sobbing. Because that's how sad it was. So it's very sad. It's it's a sad story. I, I can't even tell you too much because it'll give it away. But yeah. So pick them up, read them. What are you reading, Meg? Um, you I am currently
0: reading. Um, <laughs> I'm currently reading the Apollo series, book one, um, by Rick Warden. Um, I'm about seventy percent through it, and I first of all, I love Rick Warden. I'm trying to read everything he's ever done and i will probably read everything he does because i just love the way he he puts together mythology culture history in a modern sense and then creates really good good characters and a really good story so he's the one who did percy jackson which is i think the most well-known of his um series Um, And so the Apollo series is in the world of Percy Jackson, but following the God Apollo um, who's been punished and banished as a mortal. And so, and it's his story of kind of navigating through it. And it's just hilarious because he's so uh, Apollo is just a very egotistical, self-important kind of a God. And he's in this mortal body and he just is hating life. And it's hilarious. Um, So, definitely recommend it especially if you read some of the rick gordon's other stuff um and i basically recommend anything that this guy writes because he's amazing really good storyteller excellent
1: i'm still waiting for those have, over here just so you know okay i want it <laughs> have you ever read any of rick gordon <laughs> i have not what is what I, I, I recognize okay. i don't know i have, i recognize the name I
0: question Sorry. everything. <laughs> I will add it to my list, I promise. Okay, good. Um, and what else in the book world would you like to discuss, Kristen?
1: Um, well, I was just going to tell you what I was reading. So I'm reading The Violence by Delilah F. Dawson. It came out today. It's about an illness that spreads across the world like we need another one of those this one people get violent and kill each other so that's fun um and then the i'm reading the night she went missing by kristen bird this one has not come out yet it comes out on the 8th um and it's about a girl who goes missing on a small island in texas off the coast of texas and everyone is a suspect um and then i'm reading the fashion orphans by randy myers and mj rose for a focus group i'm part of and this book is interesting. It's about sisters who don't really talk anymore, and their mother dies, and she leaves them a collection. I won't tell you what the collection is. It's part of the price. Um, and they're supposed to figure out what to do with it. So it's very interesting. I'm very intrigued. I'm about a third of the way through it. Um, and then I'm audiobooking a book called Missing Molly by Natalie Borelli. It's about a girl who works at a newspaper, and her newspaper launches a podcast, and they decide to do true crime and look for this missing local girl that went missing from, like, the town over. Turns out this girl is that girl, and she does not want to be found for obvious reasons once you're reading. And so it's about her trying to derail this podcast. And that's what I'm reading. I know. Lots of oh my. mystery. I'm in, I'm in a mystery vibe here, apparently.
0: My mystery is how you do all this reading. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I find the time, but I do. Um and then book club. Book club. <laughs> so book club, just so you don't um it used to be book clubs with a Z and now are now they changed their website to Book Clubs with an S. Um, so it's book dot com and you can look for just one more chapter. Book club, the purple and white logo. Um we also have a Facebook page, you can find us there. And it's February, so we just started a new book. We are reading a fantasy novel called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And it says, between life and death, there is a library. And within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived to see how things would be if you had made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? And so it's, it's kind of a YA it's got some trigger warnings. So at the beginning of it, it, talks a lot about suicide. So I am not in, I haven't started it yet. I need to. Um, but <laughs> I'm intrigued. And I don't really like a lot of fantasy novels, but I'm very excited for this one. Very cool. So if you want to join a new book club yes. um, or
0: you're interested in it, go ahead and join um, yes. the book club. So they changed yes. it to an S.
1: S. apparently so fun fun story really short um when they started it it was these two girls and they couldn't afford the bookclubs.com with an s um what was it? what was it? <laughs> so they did it with a z it was too much so they did it with a z and it was really affordable and so now that it's bigger and they have advertising and stuff they bought they had the opportunity to buy the bookclubs with an s so they did it
0: nice I was just thinking that someone told them it was spelled wrong, and they're like, "Oh crap, we have to change this."
1: <laughs> no, they literally in the email though when they announced it, they were like, "To be to uh keep our uh, to be grammatically correct and because we can now afford it." That was like the email. <laughs> That's awesome. I like oh, it. Well, I was like, "All right,
0: all right." It is now time to talk about Harry's <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah, this is the biggest book of the series, and it definitely reads John. that way. When I was trying to come up with different things to talk about, I was like, "Holy crap, <laughs> what is not in this book like it's big. Um, You're is big." We just talk it, about it a being lot big. of <laughs> <laughs> um, and but it's purposeful. I think it. I think it, it. It needed to be big because of the fact that so many things were being introduced. So we've already talked about how the book is kind of introducing the world and introducing Harry Potter. Um, And the second Mm -hmm. one is kind of expanding on that. The third one is when kind Mm -hmm. of the hormones begin and it becomes more like a coming-of-age story. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Goblet of Fire is when things get incredibly dark um, and it takes a different tone. And then after Goblet of Fire, I would say books one through four – um, are a different part of the story than five, six, and seven. Um, because the world is so much bigger. Um, and I think with Order of the Phoenix, much darker, yeah. Uh, with Order of the Phoenix, I think it's just kind of expanding the world, the wizarding world from just Hogwarts into, mm-hmm. and, and Goblet of Fire is a little bit with the international schools. But now you're seeing kind of like the Ministry of Magic and all the different parts of the magical world, um, and it's getting even bigger. Um, And so that's why I've always liked it. So, like, the themes of this book are very political. There's a lot of politics um, in Order of the Phoenix. Um, There's also still that coming-of-age maturity and when to rebel and when to conform kind of questions. Um, and the idea of trying to figure out what you're fighting for, like what is it what is worth listening to the adults um for and then what is it that you're willing to kind of like what hill you're gonna die on like which you know what when do you start to question authority and kind of push back um because you believe something is true or because you believe something is right um so those are some of the themes right. that I saw um in in this book in particular, what did you kind of, in in terms of themes,
1: what did you see with Order of the Phoenix? Well, Order of the Phoenix was actually my least favorite book when I first read these books. And I wasn't, I was probably, I think I was 22 when I first read the book. Um, Half of like a couple of them were already released on film. The rest were still being made. Um, And I was just like, this is really long and it's a lot of details and there's a lot of information. And it was almost a little boring to me. Um, but being older, and I just recently listened to the audiobook version, um, mm-hmm. I have a newfound fondness for this book. Um, I definitely Good. see that, like, coming of age, maturity. Like, they kind of assert themselves as, I'm old enough to handle the hard stuff. That's what they do. Yeah. They sh- and they prove it by making hard choices themselves and just doing what they have to do when the adults aren't there to help them. Um, so I really like that theme is like kind of showing us like these, these, these might be kids, but they're, they're more than capable. Um, especially themes like with Harry and the horrible, horrible pink lady. Um, you know, he kind of doesn't voice what's going on. He keeps it to himself and he he basically, you know, fight that storm on his own, which I thought was yeah an interesting twist because it was always like the three of the, them together and they always did everything together and it was kind of like they all had to stand up to something on their own in this book. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. And and I think with the with, with the idea of Umbridge, right, this adult, and we'll talk more about her in a second, um, that like adults getting in the way or adults keeping secrets or adults, being like you're not old enough for this um was definitely within within the book and it makes total sense because at this point of adolescence that's this is when you start to figure out what you think about the world outside of your parents because obviously your parents are going to be a great influence on you but this is when you kind of start developing like what is what do i think is right or wrong or what do i think it's worth fighting for, or what political cause do I care about? Um, there definitely seems yeah. to be
1: a lot of that as I, well. I want to give a shout-out to Harry, because this is the, the... I feel like for all of them, really, but really Harry, like, this is the one where they stop looking like little kids, too. Like, how they yep. looked in Goblet of Fire, and how they look in Order of the Phoenix, it's not like there was some gigantic gap in filming. It was probably the same equal gap as the other movies. This one, it's like they grew, like they they hit puberty, all of them. They grew up, they so, kinda grew into their bodies a little bit. They're not so gangly and awkward.
0: Yeah.
1: I feel like they hit high school. If that makes sense. I mean this they is, hit high school. This from
0: this is high school age, uh so I mean Yeah. Yeah, I think it makes total sense. It would be like freshman um freshman sophomore year, something like that. Um yeah. So, yeah, no, this is definitely backwards. the time. Yeah, so it definitely definitely makes sense um, for it. All right, so lots of things to talk about. Um, I don't actually know where to begin. I guess what we should begin um, <laughs> is, so uh, Goblet of Fire, Voldemort's back. That is the truth. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, Biden won the election. That's the tr- <laughs> um, <laughs> truth. Truth. And- Not fault. Thank you, guys. That is, that is the truth. Um, however, Cornelius Fudge, who is the Minister of Magic, um, he does not want to acknowledge this. Um, maybe because he honestly doesn't believe it's true or because he really doesn't want it to be true. Um, either way, he's trying to maintain control and order, um, and he's trying to make sure that people believe that Voldemort's not back and that Harry's just crazy in the head basically. Um, and and it's so like if you know the history of this time, you know it's very much like the World War Two when they're trying to appease Hitler and say, Oh, he's gonna be fine. If we give him this he'll be great and then we all ended we all know what ended up happening, right? Germany started conquering other places and then the Holocaust and all that. So definitely has the remnants of that. And, and even today's government, we can see when they don't want us to believe something. So definitely those bigger political things. Um, and then to control the situation, um, he appoints Umbridge um, to be a Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers, but also to be his um, ears and eyes at Hogwarts. Um, just in case Del Medore and others try to kind of um, not listen to him. Now, would you agree with the statement? I think the majority of fans agree with the statement that Umbridge is probably worse than Bo- Voldemort <laughs> in terms of hate. I feel like there's more um, visceral hate towards down. Umbridge than Voldemort.
1: <laughs> I feel like it's a different kind of hate because, like, everyone hates – aside from Death Eaters, everyone hates Voldemort. It's like, even if we don't like each other, we both agree that we don't like him. But, like, Umbridge is like, she's, I think she's more hateful because, like, she's supposed to be the good guy. She's supposed to be put in place to, like, help. And she's just pure, pure evil. Like, there's no better description, like, pure evil terribleness, looks like a yeah. frog in a pink suit. That's it. There's no See? other... There's, I yeah. think that's why we hate her so much is because she's supposed... She looks so innocent and her voice is super annoying by the way in the movies and in the audiobook. Terrible. I think it makes her worse. Yeah. Uh, but just as a person, just the way she talks to people in such a conniving way makes you hate. Like Voldemort's mm-hmm. supposed to be a jerk. He talks to you like you're stupid. But like... You're looking at him like, you think I'm stupid, but I think you're terrible. But Umbridge is like, she talks to you in like the nice, it's like that nice demeaning talk, and it makes you want to throw a puncher. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think I think part of it is Voldemort's a psychopath, and so we traditionally know we're supposed to hate him um, because he's that murdering psychopath, and, and and there's no gray about him. He's just, he. it's wrong. I think with Umbridge, I think it's because we know people who kind of resemble her in a way that like passive aggressive, um, like kiss up person who just is very self-important. And, you know, like there's elements of that that I, I, I could see you seeing in other people that are around you. Um, but yes, I agree. I think Umbridge, Voldemort's a traditional hate. Umbridge is like... Like it just like it's a it's a more visceral like this character is horrific Um, and just being a teacher um, her punishments with the like the the hand the the ink that goes onto the skin um, and some of the like sadist things that she does to gain control over a school um, just drives me crazy and the amount of control that she tries to exert over the staff um if you're a teacher you know what it feels like when someone is trying to take control and you know better um (laughs) it's the worst feeling in the world when you're the expert and someone else is telling you what to do it's the worst um so I think there's elements of that as well but umbridge is is horrific on so many levels
1: Yeah, I just, I don't know what it is. Umbridge, like, Umbridge is one of those things, as soon as you say her name, I'm like, ugh. Like, it's like you make a face, like your face reacts, your body, like, physically reacts to her. We're Voldemort, I'm like, Voldemort, ha, 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 he's terrible. Umbridge, I'm like, ugh,
0: It, it is a definitely more visceral um, reaction to this. Order of the Phoenix also gets a lot of really good memes for Capslock Lock Harry. Um, it's the introduction of Capslock Lock Harry. Um, Harry getting more angry and frustrated and impatient about things. Um, it is also the story where Dumbledore's motivations um, and actions start to be questioned. Would you agree?
1: Yes, I would agree.
0: Uh, Because he starts to pull back from (laughs) Harry. um, Because Dumbledore knows more about what's going on than he's letting on. Um, And so I I remember half the book wondering why Dumbledore was treating Harry in that way and understanding Harry's anger in that way, but also being like, Harry, you need to calm down because he's definitely aggro um, in this book for sure. And if you if you go online and you do cap talk Harry, you will see tons of things about <laughs> Harry in the Order of the Phoenix and just being really upset with Dumbledore and the fact that no one believes him and um and all the things that he's having to face in this book, which is quite a lot.
1: Yeah, uh, I feel like um I feel the the whole Dumbledore pulling away thing was one of the saddest things in this book, if you ask me. Um, Just because Mm -hmm. even as readers, we didn't really know why. It was just like it was happening. Um, But we were kind of in the dark at the same time. And I think that made it even harder um, Mm -hmm. for us to understand, like, what was going on. So I just felt like a kinship with Harry. Like, why is Tumbledore ignoring us? Yeah. Why
0: don't you give me answers? And that's why I think it's so good because I I think the whole, I I think being an adult reading this, I think you start to understand the nuance because I think we all know the age in which we realize that our parents and the adults that are around us don't actually know what they're doing. (laughs) Like they, I mean, I mean like they, that they're imperfect too. Um, Whereas like in elementary school and things like that, you know, adults were the end all be all. But then when you get older, you realize it's not true. And I feel like this book has a lot of that, a lot of like questioning the adults around you in a healthy way. Um, And and that you're not an adult, but we're going to treat you like an adult, but not also at the same time, which is basically the definition of being a high schooler is that you're an adult, but yet not. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I, I teaching you to I be there. Going- that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's definitely cool. Um, so what is something I do you and you I feel like? Uh, oh,
1: continue. Um. So uh, let's see, which talking point do I want to talk about? I really want to talk about. I think I'm going to mention Harry because that's what I was just going to say. Is with Harry, I really liked in this book how he kind of learned to stand up for himself. It's not that he would just run off to his friends every time there was a problem, but it's always been Harry, Ron, Hermione solving everything together. And in this one, he had to go kind of head-to-head with Umbridge. And I feel like we got mm-hmm. to see a lot of growth in Harry Potter by himself. And then he kind of took, oh, took that lead in Dumbledore's army um, so it's just asserting himself as, I'm grown, because we hear a lot in this, like, I want to be part of the Order of the Phoenix. I'm I i I'm fine. I can handle it. Like, I feel like they've proved themselves enough that they can handle it, but really, I just feel like it's, I, I don't know. I just, I really liked his growth and him being able to say, like, mm-hmm. see, I can handle this. I am more than capable yeah, for sure. of doing this myself. And he had a lot of moments where he knew he was going to get punished. And this goes hand in hand with, like, choosing which hill you're going to die on. He knew he was going to get punished every time he spoke up to Umbridge. And he just, I don't think, by the end, like, there came a point where he just didn't care. He was like, yep, this is going to (laughs) happen because I'm not going to let her just walk around and lie to everyone.
0: Yeah, and that's a pretty good hill to die on, I would have to say. Um, and so I'd die so like, like, trying to take from... down Umbridge. <laughs> yeah, that would be my heel to die on. too. So I'd be like, I guess I'm being right. expelled. <laughs> um, right. So let's, let's unpack a couple of the things that you were mentioning that I think are are worthy of talking about as well. So Order of the Phoenix, which I love the idea of, right? So when Voldemort was originally around, they had the Order of the Phoenix, which is like a secret society that was meant to try to get him, um, toppled down and that's kind of what you do when you have a crazy authoritarian crazy person who's in charge of things is you can't do everything out in the open like a normal army or a normal war um, and so we learned a lot about the order of the phoenix she was involved we learned about neville's parents and the sad things that happened to them um and kind of neville's background a little bit more as well um which i really appreciated and this idea of these adults that are secretly working together. And now when, now that Voldemort's not in charge and he's back, you would think that it would be a more organized rebellion against them with the government because Fudge doesn't want to admit it. They again have to go underground and have like this secret society with Sirius and, um, and the rest of them and the Weasleys um, to be able to stop Voldemort from getting even more powerful. And, and, Adults are adults, and so they're, they're saying, you know, Harry, Ron, Hermione, you can't join the Order of the Phoenix, is far too dangerous, and that makes total sense. I don't think you would allow your child to join, a <laughs> I think, that's a, that's a, as a normal instinct um, for a parent to have, but also at the same time, Harry, Ron, and Hermione have been there from the very beginning fighting this fight since they were 11, Um And so they're not going to just take it laying down. And that's where Dumbledore's Army gets started. And I have to say, probably one of the singular reasons why I love these books is because of Dumbledore's Army. I just love the idea of kids coming together to fight for something they believe in and helping each other. And trying to get an education that they were promised they're not being given currently by the by Umbridge. And I just think that's so cool. Like I it's like it's like and the they first all cheer each other on.
1: Group.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just a great idea and it really is a civic action group. It's a it's a people who are coming together and being like, you know what, this is not right. This is not how education should be. This is not how a teacher is. We need to protect ourselves. Voldemort is back. The government's lying to us. Let's come together and and do this. And let's name it something ironic, like Dumbledore's army, which is what Cornelia Fudge is afraid of, right?
1: <laughs> so, like, it just – And what's funny, it is I compl- just got to point out the appreciation for Dumbledore at the end when he sees the paper that says Dumbledore's army. And they're like, what do you have to say for yourself? He's like, I don't know. It's my army. like he just kind of takes it it and runs with it he's like what do you want it says it's mine so (laughs) (laughs) that is what it is
0: Um, but I just I just, it's just one of my favorite parts of it and um, and that kind of leads me to my next part which is the introduction of one of my favorite characters of the entire world and that is Miss Luna Lovekid
1: (laughs) she's my my daughter's favorite character too
0: yeah, I just love her. She's so open. She's so eccentric. She's super smart. Even though people might think she's a little out there. So like when people think of Ravenclaws, I think they think of like like type A student types. And so I never really yeah. saw myself as a Ravenclaw when I was growing up. But once I saw Luna Love Good, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm totally a Ravenclaw because all it really is is just being super curious about the world and wanting to know things and having conversations with people and 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 being creative. Um, being a creative thinker. And that's what Luna is. So she's just I I love her as a character. Um, I think she's amazing.
1: I agree. Luna's a quirky. I always love the weirdos. I love Luna, yeah. and Neville. I have the weirdos. I'm the like, weirdos. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. Take me with you.
0: <laughs> weirdos are amazing. They make yeah. life interesting. I agree. Um, what else, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kristen, yeah. did you want to talk about?
1: Um, I love Magana Go this book, so I have to give her a shout out. So she, again, I did not love this book, and I have a really new appreciation for this because I listened to these books towards the end of 2021 on audio so I got it. I have to be honest, like it's still the book, but I love McGonagall because of the audiobook because it put mm-hmm. that voice to her words. And when you read, you can't necessarily read like sarcasm as well as you could hear it. And so when I listened to the books, I laughed out loud so many times at McGonagall's snarky comeback to Umbridge. I live for McGonagall talking to Umbridge <clears throat> because Umbridge would say things and McGonagall was having none of it none of it yep. like yep. I don't know what it was I don't know if you remember it but she would make the funniest snarkiest comeback and she like no pause McG Umbridge would say something and McGonagall was right there yeah and I'm just like That's I love you. it it was my favorite thing
0: and I know exactly what you're talking about. It, it comes from, from the idea of, like, are you serious? This person who is stupid, who is not an educator, is going to come around and ruin my school is basically what it was. Like, you're an idiot. Um, but yeah, got a a part
1: part yeah, there's a part where Umberg is going into each of the classrooms mm-hmm. and sitting in with the teachers to see how they're doing. And in yeah. McGonagall's class, she keeps doing the throat clearing where she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and McGonagall tries to ignore her, and then she just keeps making the noise. So she turns around and she's like, how do you expect to gain an idea of us my usual teaching methods if you continue to interrupt me? Interrupt me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as, as a teacher, teacher I would say like that. She, she doesn't. I'm like I'm shocked she didn't get fired because if I was out of candor a long time ago,
0: it's true. But she's also very well respected, so it'd be a. It, I think there would have been backlash. <laughs> if she tried, I am Probably. sure she tried. Oh yeah, they
1: know. would have rioted.
0: <laughs> so like that's that's when that's that's why she was allowed to do it. Right, Trollany could not do it because she's not the greatest teacher. McGonagall. Yeah, can totally get away with it. Um, another thing that I wanted to kind of talk about is the Weasleys. There's a lot of updates in the Weasley family, yeah. some great, this. um, and some yeah. not so great. Um, so I'll, I guess I'll start with the not so great, and then you can talk about um, your thoughts that you wanted to talk about, Kristen. So the per- the Weasley yeah. family has always been very tight knit. It's been a very warm, like it just like a very stable family um but we find out in this book that that Percy Weasley um has turned its back turned its back bag. on the family um <laughs> <laughs> I was going to be nicer but yeah he he picks career um over family and reputation over family and basically, like, does, like, the worst thing ever, which is return the sweater that Mrs. Weasley knit him for Christmas. That is a what sin. Goodness. That is a horrible thing. Not Why would you do that such a lovely woman? Like, seriously. Um, and so Percy Weasley is now kind of like the outcast black sheep of the Weasley family because every other Weasley is either part of the Order of the Phoenix or part of Dumbledore's army. So it is very clear whose alliance the Weasley family is a part of, except for Percy, who decides he wants to wear suits and be all important. Crap.
1: I want to be empathetic, but I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. Um, Zero, zero (laughs) empathy. I'm like, could you crawl (laughs) farther up Fudge's butt? Really? Yep, he probably could. (laughs)
0: Um, and so that
1: was very upsetting.
0: It was very upsetting to be like, oh my god, this could ha-, like this family dynamic and fight can happen even within the Weasleys because we all have family that you lose touch with for various reasons for various times. But it yep. just didn't seem like it was going to happen to the Weasleys, but it did. Um, and then the other aspect is the twins. So Kristen, do you want to talk about how amazing the twins are?
1: I love the Weasley twins. I've met them in real life; they're great. Um, they in this in this book they um, they again grew into these little adults. Um, well, they're still the wild, crazy Weasleys. They started this little business at school where they were selling. In the last book, they were selling some of their Weas- Weasley wizarding. I forget. We I don't even know. There's a lot of W's, um, but they started this little business and it's kind of grown to the point where Umbridge actually banned Weasley goods. Um, yep. And I love them in this because everyone from the start of Harry Potter, it is you go to Hogwarts, you finish Hogwarts, you pick your career and you go do that because mm-hmm. based on your owls, based on what classes you can take, which means which careers you can go into like you can't go into be an aura if you didn't get owls in certain classes and so um that was a big it was always a big topic of conversation so it was always like what are the weasleys going to do well they kind of like threw us all off and they for lack of a better phrase dropped out of school and started their own business and it's in it's in Diagon Alley, right? Yes. Or is it in Hogsmeade? No, it's, it's like in a... Diagon Alley. Okay, yeah. 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 So they um they start this business and I just thought it was very true to their characters. Like they were never going to be that corporate person. They were never going to wear the suit and sit behind the desk unless it was their own desk because they danced to the yeah. beat of their own drum. So I just thought it was a really good story for them. A really good like Wrap up of their school career, yeah, and especially like going out with a point, giant firework trying to kill Umbridge,
0: and I, which is the best part. And and to be honest, like this the was their last yeah. year, and the, and the, and the school is crap, not because of McGonagall, but because of what Umbridge was making it to be. So at that point, right, I and mean, you know what your dream is, you know what you want to do for a living, and you're in a school that was crappy. Teacher, and yeah, and you have the talent to back it all up too. Um, Then yeah, dude, drop out and and go do your thing because this is a wash of a year, right? Like this is this is basically distance learning for (laughs) Hogwarts,
1: right? It's just it's just a wizard. Like Um, (laughs) this is like you're a wizard. We're teaching you to be a wizard, but you're not allowed to bring your wand. Yes, it's. Stupid, right like I would also consider dropping out even if I loved school because
0: it, it, there was no point in going because you weren't learning anything which is why Dumbledore's Army was created right. in part anyway um, so it makes total sense yeah. and I yeah. just love the, the Weasleys as well and um, and yeah so I, I just think it's good and just to clarify I'm not saying drop out of school <laughs> <laughs> so I just realized that I need <laughs> to clarify that I'm not saying drop out of school I'm saying, in these circumstances, with the Weasley twins being as talented as they were, the means that they had, the clear dream being their last year, and Umbridge is in charge of it, creating a not so great learning environment. By all means, that makes all
1: of us. See, lots of. If Umbridge is running things. your school, you have our permission to drop out. Drop
0: <laughs> out. <laughs> Other than that. Be afraid. in school, kids, at least until you're 18. Right. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, so definitely that. Um, another thing I just want to quickly want to mention is the house elf, right? So this is Hermione. Um, as part of her political identity, um, she really takes a, a strong stance on house elves need to be freed. Um, and I just love that she started doing the things that you're supposed to do. Like the things that I'm teaching my kids in terms of like civic action for whatever beliefs they have, that if you want to create change, you do things like petition or you create buttons. And, and it's just so cool that Hermione was able like, is basically going through the motions of civic action with, um, the house self-rights. So, and I've always been sad as I did not include that in the movies, among other things in the, in the fifth book. Um, but I just wanted to make sure that I that I mentioned that. All right, yep. I think it's time to talk about the sad things. Oh, I know.
1: I thought Umbridge was so, the sad thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but she's the maddening sad thing, but she isn't the sad sad thing um so we get to see a lot I guess I'll start with the the cool thing before we get to sad things we get to see a lot more of the ministry of magic than we ever did before um obviously we went there for some trials we went there um for some meetings but we got to see rooms we wouldn't normally like where they keep memories um and the veil um as well as where the unspeakables are doing experiments and all sorts of things. And I just always was so fascinated with that part of the ministry that I kind of wish we knew more about it. But I guess that's why we don't know more about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And also the Hall of Projects. I almost rioted, though.
1: (laughs) You almost what? They don't try to kill off a Weasley. I was mad. I was (laughs) was rioting reading this book. I was like, you cannot Uh, kill a Weasley! (laughs) Well, that's what she—that's
0: what she decided, <laughs> at least in this book. Later on, she <laughs> changes right. her mind. Um, but yeah, so the so Arthur does get gravely hurt, um, but survives. And originally, that's who J.K. Rowling said she was going to kill. She was going to kill Arthur, but she decided not to because she wanted Harry to have at least one functional father figure. Um, but. In return for not killing Arthur, she ends up killing Sirius, um, who dies at the end of the book. I love Sirius Black. Um, I think she's a really interesting, really cool character. Um, do you think that was the right decision?
1: I mean, I don't want—I didn't want him to die. But if our choice was Sirius Black or Mister Weasley, I think. No offense to Sirius Black, because I think he was a fantastic character and I really wish we had gotten to know more about him. But yeah, Mr. Weasley is so important to so many people that I feel like his death would have been far more detrimental to the overall story. I don't disagree with that you. That would have changed um, the whole dynamic I, I, of that
0: family. I honestly wish, like, I'm I'm enjoying the Fantastic Beasts movies, but I kind of wish we got the Marauders, um, like a like a prequel story, to to learn more about Sirius yeah. Black because I think Sirius Black as a youngster, I think I would fall in love with him. I think he would be someone, um, I would <laughs> have a crush on. He seems like the type. Um, it definitely yeah. is, and I think for Sirius, I think. I think it makes sense to keep Arthur alive because of the functional father figure part of it. Um, but also, Sirius Black, because he is an escaped convict, because he's not allowed to leave Grimwald Place, um, he didn't have the greatest of life right now. And you could tell it was right. making him more and more frustrated. And because he was yeah. becoming more and more frustrated, he was becoming more and more reckless. So to yep. me it's always seemed like a mercy kill. Um Yeah, like it was almost and... like Because I don't think he was having a great life. So like I'm I wasn't mad right. that they killed she killed Sirius. I love Sirius. Um, I wish we had more of him. Um but it yeah. made it made sense to me. Um but I know a lot of people are really, really upset about it because it makes sense. He's a great character. He really, really is. Um and it is also a father figure. Um so Sirius loses you know um it, Harry does lose that father figure in the story for sure.
1: You know, you mentioned like getting a prequel for like the Marauders and stuff. You know what I want? I want a film. Like we hear so much about the first reign of Voldemort and all the thing, all the people that did brave things and stood up against him, and like Neville's parents, I would love to see that story yeah. play out. I mean, I think there's like lots an of different stories. <laughs> it could be like a star. or like Harry really being Yeah, and like it could just <laughs> lead, lead off, like end with Voldemort blast the Potter's house apart,
0: like. Like, I just,
1: that 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 bit where you learn about all these people and, like, the things that clearly affected them when they were kids, obviously, like, Carrie, when he grew up, and, like, Neville and such, like, it'd be super interesting to see those other people. And, like, the scene where supposedly Sirius, you know, killed somebody that got him thrown in prison in the first place. Yeah, well, that, that could be, be an inter- and also
0: would not be against the Hogwarts founders too. But like I said, J.K. Yeah. Rowling could totally make this into Star Wars. She can be totally the George Lucas if she wants to. Um yeah, just jump around. go forever. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if she should, but yeah. definitely there will be interest for sure, no matter what. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the main things that I wanted to talk about with order of the phoenix and I do I am glad that you have found a new appreciation for this book because I've always found it interesting and I think it's probably because of I love history and poli-sci and this is a definitely a history poli-sci um angled yeah. book um but also like there's just so much growth in a lot of characters, whether it's the Weasley's rage Quit on Umbridge <laughs> um, or
1: these kids I just think I had to hear it like, for justice. yeah. I had to have and something between the movie and the book. The book was just a lot of information and then the movie I had voices and I guess inflection and I feel like inflection was really important to the conversations being held um, and yeah. so listening to it It's like reading the book, obviously, because it is the book. It's not a different copy. It's the actual book. And the guy that was reading it was doing voices, and they were spot on. And I laughed, and I cried, and I got real mad at Umbridge. It is a rollercoaster story. It 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 is is
0: a rollercoaster, which is why I think it makes it such an entertaining book. It also makes it really hard to turn it into a movie. Um, <laughs> and, and I it's know like, so in the, the, seventh, yeah, the, the seventh book was made into two parts, but I honestly think that Word of the Phoenix probably could have been
1: two parts as well.
0: Um, and there were some things that were in this book that I feel like were incredibly important for the setup for the seventh movie, uh, for the seventh book. Again, they didn't know this because they were making the movies as the books were being written, um, which makes it an interesting experience. Um, But I I definitely feel like this could have been a two-parter for sure to include a lot of the things that I think make the characters the characters. Um, But yeah, Yeah. so um, Order of the Phoenix for me is definitely up there as one of my favorites just because I think that there's so many interesting, like, psychological profiles and so many interesting things that are kind of in place
1: in this book. I think I definitely gained an appreciation for, um, you know, for this book specifically. Yeah. Um because of the audio so it bumped it up like I think I would I like this more than Goblet of Fire and Goblet of Fire used to be one of my favorites nice sweet moving on up I know right I know (laughs) all right
0: well I think that's it for the conversation unless you have something else to share I don't all right I think we're good um, so, yeah. Kristen, what is your nerdy obsession? I feel like your nerdy obsession is my nerdy obsession. I just have a feeling. It
1: is. We're 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 nerdy together. Um, <laughs> yes. my nerdy obsession is wordle. I'm obsessed. And I get real mad when Me? I get it wrong, guys. Real mad. I get, I get
0: very upset as well. Because <laughs> usually what happens is that the last, like, the sixth one, I get four letters. And it just one-off every time I get it wrong. It makes it very frustrating. In because case you don't like, know, what is Google it? Wordle? Um, Google Wordle, and it's basically like a word puzzle kind of a game. Um, so definitely check yeah. it out if you haven't heard um, of um, it. And also if nobody heard, like, the, New York Times.
1: Yeah, the New York Times just bought it, which is going to ruin it. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> They're going to make it into the crossword. <laughs> They're going to charge gonna like, me. Is what's going to happen.
0: No. Corporations ruin I never, everything. I'm, All right. Right. Um, Thank you. So, as always, we want your feedback on what to discuss in the world world of nerdum. so please give us your feedback. Follow us at TalkNerdy underscore radio on Twitter. Um, follow us at nerdprobs.com for reviews and I promise I will be getting reviews soon to both Kristen and people who go to NerdProb and also join our book club um, on book clubs and you can also just go to Just More Chapter on Facebook to get there as well Um, next week it will be music and movies Um, we'll have lots of things to talk about we haven't figured out a topic but I promise the topic will be decided before we start the show I hope. Hopefully. <laughs> oh <boy. laughs> Otherwise, we're just in progress. which could happen. You never know. All right, everyone, have a wonderful week, and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye, everyone.